Welcome to the Reflect On podcast, where we embark on inspiring conversations filled with truth, vulnerability, and, well, anything else that'll help us learn, grow, and live better lives. I'm your host, Kevin P. Murphy. Thank you so much for embarking on this reflection journey with me today. Now let's get right into it. This is part one of a two-part series with Helga Flower. Helga Flower is an amazing artist and human being. This is perhaps one of the most inspiring conversations I've had in my life. I must insert the disclaimer though that this episode is not for the faint of heart. Helga Flower was born as a child of war, born in 1939 residing in Czechoslovakia near the Austrian border. From being fired upon from airplanes, to crawling and traveling miles for refuge, to building a habit of not even knowing where her next meal was coming from, it's safe to say that Helga grew up in difficult times. And that's what she emphasizes when talking about the inspiration for her book, War Child. Helga explains that there's a lot of documentation on the war, but there isn't a lot of first-hand accounts, or at least that in the mainstream media, of what it was like from a family's perspective. In this episode, Helga shares her stories, her raw, uncut stories of what it was like growing up in chaos and in the war. She shares these accounts with a storyteller's perspective in mind, and that's why it's so beautiful to listen to the stories, despite how traumatic they really are. And speaking of traumas, Helga expresses her opinion on why it's necessary to go into past traumas, and we discuss what courage really is and how it relates to survival. She, probably better than most, knows what that word means, survival. If you're interested in learning more of the first-hand accounts after listening to these ones, please consider purchasing Helga Flower's book, War Child, World War II and its aftermath as seen through a child's eyes. It costs about $10, so please pick up a copy, inspire yourself some more, inspire others around you just as Helga has and wants to. This is an incredibly powerful episode with so many lessons inside of it. As always, thank you for listening. Please sit back, enjoy, and engage in this episode with the one and only Helga Flower. Helga Flower, you are someone that I am very, very excited to learn more about. To say that your story is inspiring, I don't really think does it enough justice. You have an incredibly interesting childhood. You grew up, chaos is maybe the easiest way to say it, but Again, I don't think that word even does it justice. And I'm so curious to learn more. And I want to start with when you were, you had the courage to open up yourself and go deeper into yourself and share more about your journey. And a lot of that started with your childhood growing up in wartime, literally being born as a war was going on. And then not only being born, having to grow up in it as well. What are some of the things you think about most when you think back to your childhood right now? Actually, I have thought about that lately. What is the first thing that comes to my mind when I think about my childhood? The first thing that comes to my mind, and I feel it right in my bones, is being scared scared all the time and not knowing why. It was the atmosphere in the air. Everybody was whispering and trying to hide. Of course, there were just women and children. The men were all in the war. It was like that black cloud in the room. 
the mothers crying, praying. And my mother, I bet she is in heaven. She suffered so terribly, so terribly. Of course, I didn't realize it as a child. I was clinging to her and not knowing what was going on. But that that fright in the air is always with me, especially when I hear an airplane. And I think the book I finally did, I wrote about, it really started me thinking when my grandson was a little guy and he pointed up in the air and we heard an, um, an airplane and I automatically fell in that pile of leaves that we were raking, trying to protect myself. And my grandson kept saying, Grandma, Grandma, what's the matter? I, I almost like passed out of fright. And that was the first time that happened where I thought, what's the matter with me? It's affecting me. And from then on, I really thought about all that. That scary, dark, quiet, trying to hide feeling all the time. And it lasted for me for several years. And that's the thing that I remember the most, being scared all the time and not knowing why. I'm not really sure what's more inspiring, to be honest. The fact that of what you went through and what the actual experiences you had, those fearful stories and experiences, or the fact that you can recollect on it and go deeper into it. What really happened, I didn't really think about it that much, but I was teaching artist workshops, and of course they knew I was from Germany, and they kept asking me questions. Where did you live before that and this? And yes, I lived what was called Czechoslovakia, but it was German at the time. And that was the reason for the war. Our area was kicked back and forth all the time. And so I told them my class bits and pieces. And their eyes just, oh, my God, you have to write that down. And I thought, no way can I write all that down. I would meet a psychiatrist right next to me. But there was, as I described in the book, a time when I thought, I will do it. I need to be tough and just do it. The world needs to know. See, you hear about wars all the time, the battles they won and the generals that got killed or whatever. But I felt it needs to be told how it affects just a family, what families go through and the children and the neighbors and so on. And that's where I had to come from, because I really didn't know that much about the history of war. I just wanted to tell everybody in little ways that is never being told how families make it through hunger, through tough times. And boy, did I go through tough times. 
And it, I finally, I just took the bull by the horn, so to speak, and said, I'm going to do it. And I'll tell you something else. My family had no idea what I went through through the, through the war. And, and I was thinking, why don't they know? You hate to tell them and make them feel sorry for me. I didn't want that. And how could they ask questions if they had no idea what I went through? But yet, I had to open up that story, if you will. And I started typing in Florida. And my daughter, who was my office manager, she got all those typed letters. And she cleaned it up and typed it. And I was afraid to tell her. She just read it right from the beginning and had no idea. And I thought, on the way to Florida, I'm going to paradise where the oranges are growing. And the oranges led me to the book because the last thing I remember, my father came home from the war for just a short time, but he came from France, which I didn't know. There are many times when I wasn't sure when I was writing, I would call up my sister. She says, yes, didn't you know? You ate your first orange. You were sitting on your father's lap. And because of that orange he brought from France, I never knew there was such a thing. And I've been thinking, how can I possibly remember when I was two years old, sitting on my father's lap? And yes, I can remember that. You know, you can remember anything that is very wonderful or really bad. It sticks in your mind. So that orange tracked me to Florida. And I thought, but that's the sign. I have to write that book. Wow. Incredibly inspiring to hear that story of why you wrote the book. I hear that all the time when people read the book or just ask me. It's just, oh my God, they want to hear more. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all. You mentioned the orange. It's such a beautiful story and a theme throughout the book. And it starts back with a lot of your childhood. I want to go a little bit deeper into your childhood, into those moments. Sure. As you go into the the wine cellar, uh, living, having to live there in the darkness, having to just transition, be have your life uprooted, be in that fear so much. You mentioned someone already, which was your mother. Let me back up a little bit before the war actually started. Mm -hmm to get to the wine cellar. My mother's income was wine and a lot of fruit, and it was a wonderful area to live in. Wonderful things were growing in trees, and we had everything. But not having a man around to help my mother, she did everything herself. She was taking from the grapes, the grape juice, in big barrels that she carried herself like a back sack. And 
I remember those barrels were almost as tall as she was, and she was barely five foot tall. And she carried those barrels with um, the wine juice to the wine cellar. And that was maybe one mile. And she wow. carried that to the wine cellar. And the wine cellar was like underground with just a little bit of a earth on top. So you can barely see there was a door underneath. And by going into the wine cellar, there were humongous barrels, wooden barrels. They were probably six foot tall, and they were all in line. And she checked the wine and everything. I didn't even know what she was doing at my age. But I do remember when she carried those big barrels on her back, she walked very slow so nothing would spill. And I couldn't stand walking that slow. I was always running way ahead. And then I ran, ran back to her. And once we got to the wine cellar, that was fun. It smelled like wine in there. And she worked to check how the wine is coming along. But that wine cellar came in very handy later on once the war actually started. Because everything was ruined. And if it wasn't ruined, we were notified to get out, go hide someplace. So this was a place where we were hiding. Not just us, but other families joined us because they didn't have a great hiding place like that. But the problem was with all those people, where are we going to sleep? And I must have been three, four years old. I slept in a crib along with a couple others little girls. I don't even remember where the adults, the mothers slept. They probably didn't sleep because they were always standing by the door watching to see if a Russian or a Czech is coming because the Russians and the Czechs, they were together at that time. And we were all very hungry. And I did have a brother too who was just a beast, and that's a different story. Being brought up without a man in the house, but he knew how to help us. He went out and always went through garbage other people threw away. And he would find things that, like, like potatoes, they were maybe half rotten. Of course, we didn't have any foil, because my mother always threw those potatoes into a little fire. We had to be very careful. When you build a fire, somebody will see you, the Russians. But we had to cook something, and that's the only thing we had to eat. Oh, and the other thing we did have, my mother, she carried a can, a little can of lard, and when we were thirsty, we had nothing to drink. She always said, stick your finger in the lard and lick it off. That will help you. I don't remember. If she said so, we did it. I, I don't know how we survived. And I'm still here. I, I can't imagine living to be 85 years old. I thought from day to day, going through the war, 
I'm not going to make it another day, another day, another year. And, you know, you kind of get used to it. It's that horrible time. You get used to it because everybody around you is going through the same thing. It's not like you are the only one. So it was, yes, a difficult time. But those difficult times came in many different parts. When we first realized, yes, the war is coming and we were still in our house, other women were coming into our house and they sneak around to make sure you're not being seen. We must have been the only ones in the neighborhood with a radio at that time. And of course, on the radio are constant updates how the war is going. So the mothers would just huddle together and turn the radio down as low as possible. So because we knew the Russians were already starting to integrate in the area. We were told as kids, do not go outside. We had nobody to play with. We just kind of stuck close to the mothers. And I can just imagine thinking back now how scared my mother must have been with four kids. So while those mothers were whining and crying and being so scared, listening to the radio, I snuck out. I was looking for my playmates and I went outside and there was nobody. It was dead silence, no kids. And I just wondered, where is everybody? And right then, I did hear the airplanes, the bombers, that noise. I will always hear it. I was right in the middle of the street, just a dirt street. That's all it was in that little village. And I could hear the bombers. They came so low, and that horrible sound, that heavy, heavy, growling sound. It was like a flock of birds. It came towards me very low. I was just freaked out. I just I just fell to the ground and I was so scared. And somebody picked me up and carried me away and it was my older sister. They were looking for me. But those airplanes, just like a flock of birds that fly on top of you very, very low in that rumble that it was just awful. Sorry, yeah, go, go, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say thank you for sharing that. Your mother seems to be such a theme throughout the book um, yeah. and, and throughout your life. What are two or three of the lessons that you carry with you today that your mother has taught you? First of all, this wasn't her worst time. Her worst time when she had cancer. And um, I think what she gave me in my early age is the love. I was the love of her life. And I think that shaped me and that's how I can cope with everything. I experienced love and she gave me that before she got so terribly sick. And perhaps I can cope. I can cope with everything in my life. 
is that is that because sorry is that because of the struggle that you realized that she went through and you all were going through as a family Uh, um yeah, I would say so. Uh, when I hear people who are just torn apart from little things, I think, oh, okay, I, I could deal with that. That's not a big deal at all. I kind of got it from both sides, from the war and from the family. I have to tell you, the war was bad, but after the war was worse. Really? Because because during the war, you always think it's going to end one of those times. And then we'll go back home and life will be okay. Well, when the war was over, there was no place to go home. Then it was really worse. You had no place. You had nothing. And you wonder, now what? And somehow we became refugees. We were Germans. We wanted to go back to Germany. But how are we going to do that? We went into Austria, first of all. That was like maybe 10 miles the border. But to get there, we had to be careful not to be seen because the Russians would just shoot us. Nothing to it. We would just be fair game. We crawled during the day, and we were upright in the night heading towards the border. I have to tell you, too, before we left as refugees, our neighbors had several cows. Well, we had a cow, too. One cow, we had a goat, we had two pigs, <laughs> and that's how we, we ate people at that time. But anyway... When the Russians were around the barns next door, the cows were so hungry. Nobody fed them because those people already left and went to the border. So nobody fed those animals, and they weren't the only ones. You could hear those cows moo so desperately, and I can still hear that too. They probably all starved to death. It was awful. And during that time, I did go outside and I saw in the distance one horse must have gotten loose and just ran desperately. And I was out there just staring at that horse coming towards me. I just knew that horse would trample me to death. I was just so scared. I couldn't move. I was so scared. And that horse ran right past me to the field where it always was eating. So I was saved again. It's just like so many times. Why didn't I just die? It, it just because the fright was the, so strong. Then something else happened. That brother again, he was seven years older than I am, coming from a hospital in Vienna. He had a sickness, tuberculosis of the bone. Pretty bad stuff. So he came home and I didn't know him because uh, I was born while he was in the hospital. He could hardly walk, but he was a clever little stinker. <laughs> good and bad. Good and bad. 
and he fooled around in our yard with stones. And he hit me right in the face with a stone, actually in my mouth, and knocked pretty much a tooth out of my mouth. There were no doctors around. They were all, all in the war. And that was at a time when everybody whispered, the Russians are going to be here any day. And in some places, they knew the Russians already were here. So my mother found out there was like a nurse in town. So we went there. We couldn't find her. We kept yelling in the barn area. And eventually, a woman comes walking out behind some hay bales. She had black eyes. She had a busted arm. She looked terrible. And, you know, I looked at her, and all of a sudden, my mouth didn't hurt anymore because she looked so pathetic. She was raped. She was beaten, arm broken. And I listened to all that, and I just froze again. And my mother had my tooth, and all she did was shove it up into my mouth. I barely remember. Little did she know, at my 85 years of age, that tooth is still there. But oh. it shows when I smile that it's a little bit crooked. And with age, it's going more crooked all the time. But I don't care. It's still part of me. So she did a good job. But having seen her, that was, yes, the Russians are here. The Russians are here. And they also walked through the street if they saw kids outside on the street. The custom in Germany when I was born, a godmother, they buy earrings for you. And they were put in when you were two years old. And they were high-quality gold earrings. And I still have mine. And when the Russians came and they saw those earrings, they just ripped them out of the ear of those poor kids and put them wow. in their coat pocket. Just horrible stuff. To, so, take, to take the jewelry is is what you mean by that? Yes. Wow. Because... It was always, when the Russians saw you with those earrings, they just rip it out. And I still hear the crying of those kids, not because they lost that earring, but how it hurt and the blood flow. It's, so those are just samples. What happens in the war, that, you know, that hatred is so deep. And I can still feel that now what's going on with Israel, that that hatred is so deep that can't ever get. It's because maybe the Germans did that to them during the war. That hatred is just so deep. Your life, Helga, especially in those moments you just described, was one that was surrounded by pain, not just around you, but inside of you. How were you able to get through it? How were you able to get past the fears of, I don't know where my next meal is coming from, or I don't know if I'm going to survive this day. How do you get through that? How did you get through it? And how, do you, okay. how does that apply to today? For me, 
I got through it because I was too young to really see the percussion of what's happening. Now, my sister, who's six years older, she just turned 90 years old and still lives in Germany. That's it, Mar Martha, right? Yes. And Martha dealt with all that and later on. And she went through much more pain. Yes, I went through pain, but I didn't really understand what was going on. I saw everything, I heard everything, but I didn't know I needed to worry about the next meal or the next day. I lived from day to day. It came later on a little bit more, but not understanding what really went on, that kind of helped me, really. Oh. But now... I'm thinking back at those times, and I think, how did I do that? Or why did that happen? And mostly I think of my mother, who must have gone through hell and back. Because the kids at that time, we were more concerned about where are our friends and let's go play, and which I didn't. That's why I went out in the streets a couple times. But really... The worst thing, because I got a little older, was my mother's sickness and being in a place where nobody wants you and had hardly anything to eat. Hardly. We just barely survived. Yeah, I made it through because of my age, not knowing exactly the terrible things that went on. Well, and it sounds like you mentioned the word love and we were talking about that before. It sounds like the love you had between, you know, your brother, your mother, your yes. sister, and even your eldest elder sister as well, that would, I know was displaced for a lot of the journey, but but came back later um, in your life. And I'm really curious, Helga, you probably more than anyone that I can think of in my life have an excuse to shield yourself with your mind against those traumas of the past and to try to shun them away. But you decide to go deeper into them, which I think is one of the most beautiful things I've ever witnessed. What would you say to people who are fearful of going into their past or their traumas today? What would you say to them if they think, I can't do it, I'm not enough, I can't go deeper. You have to go deeper because it is part of your life. That's who you are. It's best to recall all those bad things because you learn from it from one for one thing. If you keep it covered up, even though it's really bad, you're covering up part of your life. You need to open it up to keep on going further. It's like a roadblock. If you want to go someplace, you need to get rid of that roadblock and you will become a happier person, even though it was pretty bad. It wasn't your fault. It's not your fault. Open it up and learn from it. Not just me tell about it. There are many people who go through what I have gone through. I'm not the only one. I know they, a whole village, a whole country. And not talking about it 
there is a reason why you went through all that because of the war. I think we need to bring it out in the open so maybe we can hold off another war. But, you know, I don't think so. There will always be war. I think of fighting. Think of little kids. There's always a bully. There's always a bully. I even see pigeons out there fighting. Animals fight. We are part of animals. We fight, except our fights are bigger and worse. But it's part of life, and we need to talk about it. It's not all rosy and sunshine. There's a lot of bad weather out there. There are a lot of bad people out there, bad animals. So we need to realize it's part of life. So I was affected. I dealt with it. What am I supposed to do? When you have bad situation, there's no way out. Just keep on being tough. Did I answer your question? So beautifully, yes. It's hard. It reminds me of, it's towards the end of the book, I believe, but it reminds me of a theme throughout it, and it's one word, and it's courage. Courage as you continue to navigate into the moments when you start to really digest things in when you were eight to 10 years old in your journey, yeah. courage to keep moving forward, not just with being who we are or trying to become someone who we're not, but rather recognizing that our past, our traumas, if we don't take courage to go into them, then we'll always be searching for something that's not there. You know, sense. there is a saying, there is a saying, if you go through fire, keep on going. Get out of there, keep on going. And when you talk about courage, there are two types of courage. Courage, you, it's not really courage. You just have to keep on going. What, what else is there? You have to go on. It has nothing to do with courage. It has to do with survival. The other side of courage is, yes, it's like my mother. She never ate. She fed us. And the courage was to keep on going and don't eat that piece of bread. Give your mother a few bites for survival. Courage, if if you see light, go towards it, even though you are afraid, but you think there is life at the end of that light. It, it's funny. I write articles for our local newspaper. It really has to do with art, but also names, words like courage. And I really get into it deep. And that makes me think now that will be another article I can write. Courage. What does courage mean? But most of the time, the courage doesn't mean any more than let's survive and do that. It's not the courage of, I can tell you another incident of courage that happened in the book. And again, it has to do with my brother Stefan. 
where we lived in Germany, where we were we were displaced German. We lived in an old abandoned schoolhouse. There was no electricity. And my brother, being now 13 or 14, he was going to install electricity. And of course, he had other refugee boys who were his age. They were all going to help him. Well, many times a real sad situation turned into a hilarious situation. And I can still see him. We were in our two-room little apartment. And they were going to surprise my mother when she comes home from the hospital that there is a light bulb over our table instead of a candle. And they got the cable all the way up from, it was a three-story. Basically, we were living way up there in in a terrible place. And they weren't sure if those cables were connected to electricity. So my brother said to one of his friends, you touch that and see. No, he says, I don't want to be electrocuted. The other one said, you, it was your idea. You should touch it first. So there were about five of them holding on each other. That's what they agreed on. They held each other's hand. And my brother touched that electric wire. And yes, it was connected. I was sitting on my mother's bed, who was in the hospital. He touched that wire, and they all just screamed and shook. And we thought that was so hilarious. Thank heavens nobody got hurt. And yes, the cable was connected, and they put up the light bulb for my mother, and she was delighted. She Now we had electricity. So coming back to courage. It took courage to touch that electric wire. The courage was he could have been killed. So that's another different kind of courage. There are many different kinds of courages. Thank you very much for spending time with me on the Reflect On podcast today. If you found this episode enjoyable or inspiring, please share it with those who it may help and leave a positive review so that we can grow together. Until next time, reflect onward and keep moving forward.